It's time for the Live, Shop, Work, and Play radio show and podcast. Interesting people, open conversations, and topics worth talking about. And now, your host, a Georgia Bulldog fan and graduate, a smart real estate investor who learns the hard way, and a radio talk show host. You never know what he's going to say. Joe Mullins. Hello, Florida. This is Joe Mullins of the Live, Work, Shop, Play show. And welcome to this weekend. It's an incredible weekend here in the state of Florida. We have the big old giant Georgia Bulldogs, number one in the nation, coming down to Jacksonville this weekend, and they are going to play the Florida Gators, and as many of you guys know, I am a Bulldog by heart, and my guest today is the great U.S. Congressman, former U.S. Congressman of Georgia, Doug Collins, and the biggest Georgia Bulldog fan that I know uh, Congressman Collins, welcome on the show. Hey, Joe, it's always good to be with you. Thanks a bunch for having me, and go dogs. But, you know, let's talk about that a little bit. Events like the uh, Georgia-Florida game and like the Super Bowls and the concerts uh, are just so crucial for a, a state and a community. Uh, what is it, What you know, being in Congress, how big do you, you are actually on the music committee uh, you served on, uh, what is it, ASCAP or one of the groups that you worked with? Uh, yeah, I did a lot uh, on that, Joe. I, a judiciary committee has all the intellectual property, all the copyrights, you know, uh, patents, all that kind of stuff. So that's how I got into the, the the music side of the world. But yeah, what you just mentioned is film industry, the the music industry, the in the in the sur- uh, surrounding areas of that, like uh, concerts, like ball games, all these things. We always see the the actors. We always see the the musicians. We always see the the uh, singers and all, and the the you know millions that they bring in. But what they what is often underreported, especially with movies and others, is how many people are employed around these events, from from vendors to security to electrical to plumbing. I mean, there's almost this stuff that goes into the infrastructure. And Georgia has a very generous tax credit. It's been in place now for about uh, almost 15 years, and Georgia has become you know and uh, one of the places in the country that all you know movies and tv shows are going to and have had you know most of the top 100 grossing films in the last few years have come out of georgia and you may say well that just feeds actors in hollywood no we've had a old growth industry come in with people from catering to electrical to plumbing to construction to lighting to makeup to everything else nobody you would ever see they're on those names that scroll at the end of the show sometimes um but it, it's, it matters to the communities as a whole. That's why Georgia Florida Weekend, you know, the, I still know it, you know, from growing up is the world's great, largest outdoor cocktail party. Um, it, you go around, you walk around the stadium, you look at the, the rooms, the hotel rooms are at their top price and they're being filled. I mean, it's just it's just an incredible economic event. You know, uh, Congressman Collins is a representative uh, nationally you were a key figure in bringing the movie industry supporting it getting uh, growth to georgia uh you know and, th- and that's what i say our government needs to be doing as a county commissioner one of my biggest focuses people ask me what my most important role was and i said you know it's to run the infrastructure it's to make sure that our economy is strong and make sure that our place is safe and those were key things while you were in office that you helped push and do over the Judiciary Committee. Um, you know, those things. What is going on in Congress today? Because this isn't the issues today. The issues now seem to be so far fetched. What is going on today and why have we lost track of where we're where we're headed? I think mainly because we've actually divorced politics and reality. 
And I think this is something I've talked about uh, when I do a lot of interviews across the country and I talk about it uh, in speeches and stuff is that, you know, people have got to get real about the fact that politics is real life. And that just because you're in elected office or just because you're participating in a governing body, however, it doesn't all of a sudden, you know, as we want to say, like, it doesn't transcend the laws of physics, if you would. In other words, gravity still exists. Life still exists. Negotiations still exist. Real problems still exist. The five minutes on YouTube, the two seconds on Twitter are not reality. And, and for those people who believe that Twitter is reality or X is reality, whatever you want to call it these days, has really damaged us to the point of believing that you can get everything you want. Now, I'm going to turn it around and say I think the, the elected officials many times uh, have encouraged that because we've told people things that we couldn't do. We've, we've told them what they wanted to hear. The old biblical abomination is, you know, that they, they turn to those who would tickle their ears. In other words, they would say whatever made them feel good to get elected or to present something but yet not having it grounded in reality. As you on the county commission level would talk about, you know, how do you get a road paved? How do you get the garbage picked up? That's, a, that's not a partisan issue. That's, hey, get the trucks there, get it done, um, and do so in a very cost-effective manner for the On the federal level, and many times now at the state level, what you've seen is a, we would rather position and posture and say we're going to get 100% of what we want, when in reality they don't do that anywhere else in their life. And I think until we get back to an understanding in this country that you fight for as much as you can get, get the best deal you can, and then you come back later and get the rest of it, we're going to continue to have this disconnect between uh, the average American and people uh, on the street. Well, you know, as a county commissioner, you guys are so crucial. Many times you help me uh, get access to funds, get access to different opportunities for our county that help subsidize it from government money, which, you know, I remind people every day, this isn't magical money. It's your money you've put in for years. Your representatives need to work hard with the state and federal level to bring that money back. And so many commissioners just go into office, sit there, don't do anything, play it safe, sit there and say, we're not taking the national issues, but infrastructure is suffering everywhere broadband. It's so many problems that we have. But your role and you serving as a congressman, you know, I can't tell the state of Florida how many times I call you and you would help uh, bridge a relationship or a phone call or just anything. And it was incredible uh, sitting there. I mean, you know, we we even talk about uh, currently how the IRS is weaponized and your office helped with IRS issues. I remember y'all helping our company with one because we couldn't get through to someone and you guys helped us. But it seems like government right now is speaking of judicial. And I want to go through three things on this, uh, this, this episode. One, I want to talk about the speaker position Two, I want to talk about very important. I don't think we cannot talk about Israel. And then the third one, I'd like to talk about a possible government shutdown. But before we do that, I'd, I'd like to ask you, uh, do you, you know, being over the judicial committee, do you feel like our, our law, our judicial system is being weaponized against Americans now? I think that's definitely the perception. And I think in some ways it's more the perception and, and really a reality. When you look at how, um, and I'm not one of those that believes that everything that comes out of a department is terrible, but I do believe that what we've seen, and I've personally seen in the last few years, out of the Department of Justice uh, in particular in in Washington has been very much politically skewed. This happened and started back in, you know, some would say into the first Bush, second Bush term, but I think uh, 
uh, George W., but uh, definitely in Obama's term, and it continued, in which you have these career bureaucrats, career employees of the Department of Justice who have political agendas who have decided to, to mask their political agendas under the, the uh, guise of uh, law enforcement uh, to go after people they don't like. And we've seen this. We see the difference in how uh, people are treated. Conservatives are arrested with six, you know, 16 SWAT, SWAT members consenting on their house at 6 a.m., while Democrat or liberals are given advance notice that somebody may be coming to their house. I mean, this is where it really gets into when you get into parents, when you get into what is a, a, a considered an extremist group. Yes. I mean, I think we're seeing that, um, unfortunately, more and more. And it's a, you know, again, some things can be understood, but a lot of it cannot be understood when you see charges being brought against, you know, former presidents, when you see charges being brought against, uh, again, the, just the dynamics of looking at how, and I'll just say this without diving deeply into this and without saying good, bad, wrong, or right, just look at how the two have been handled. Joe Biden and Donald Trump have been handled on the relatively the same issue of uh, of documents, of classified documents. And some will say, well, Trump did this and Trump did that. Okay, but, but Biden had documents from when he was a senator he should have never had. I mean, senators and representatives can't take those documents out. How did he have it from all the way back then? The vice presidential stuff, okay, uh, maybe you have an excuse, but the way you were storing it. But when you look at how they were handled, uh, perception and public-wise, everything about Donald Trump was handled in public, leaked, you know, vociferously to everybody in the media. The Biden stuff was was rarely even talked about, even when stuff was going on. In fact, just what it was, Joe, three weeks ago, uh, when the war kicked, when the Israelis were attacked and everybody was going out, it's like, where is the president? We come to find out later that he was being questioned by the special investigator over his um, papers. They didn't say that. They just acted as if he was not giving interviews. And the reality was it was hid so well from the public that they were actually questioning a sitting president about a case that nobody is still talking about that. Well, that's what's so unique with this. Uh, you know, I've had people come to me and say Watergate, President Nixon was treated easier than what they're doing to President Trump. There was there was fraud there. There was issues there that they felt like they proved. But this is such a big, major witch hunt. And then you watch the media turn around and say, tell the special prosecutor in Atlanta, get this thing pushed out because Hunter Biden's going to be tried this week or there's an issue and we want this news to, to cap it. We want President Trump arrested. Then you turn around and hear all these plea deals that are happening in Georgia. And, you know, as I looked into it, their plea deals are more for the media. They're they're saying, no, I was told that it's $5,000 fine. I get probation and it all goes away. But I just got to testify against anyone else. And they're turning around and saying, OK, he's going to turn on President Trump. A lot of these guys never spoke to President Trump, never had anything to do with President Trump, never communicated with him, never interacted with him. Yet they went in because they saw suspicious activity going on in voter sites. They went in and they questioned them. And now all of a sudden they're prosecuted in their own government. Their own money is being used against them. And of course, you'd plea deal when somebody looks at you that's got all the money in the country and says, we're going to come after you legally and bankrupt you. 
or you got to sign this for $5,000, of course you would go out with it. And that's what the public is not seeing. I mean, we can have a long discussion on criminal justice reform, which I've done a ton of work on, still do a lot of work on. I mean, this goes back to a prosecutor sort of taking everybody in, overcharging uh, in these situations in many cases, and then trying to get to this part. What they're looking for, and this will be the interesting part, what they're really, what uh, Fonnie Willis in, in Fulton County was looking for, is to now have each of these three or four that have actually testified. One, I mean, we never know this, but the but the Powell, the Chesbro, the the uh, Jenna Ellis of the world, she's going to now have those out there to say, "We'll call you in the in the case later to say whatever you may know." And I think by that is they're trying to build pressure on others as they go up the chain. Law enforcement ought to be about taking people who've done wrong no matter who they are, the scales of justice should be blind and treating them equally and fairly under the law. Prosecutors who overcharge to get at a certain level or to get at a certain person uh, really take down the confidence in, in the process. But let me just say this, Joe, it happens every day in our courtrooms across this country. DAs overcharge a lot. Now, they need to properly charge. We need to properly hold people accountable. But this idea that you know, that there's, you know, you always have, you ever, ever heard this, Joe, I'll always have my day in court. Well, right. the reality is 95% of all cases never go before a jury. Right. It's so, it's so uh, misleading. And this is totally what the Democrats or the liberals want. And I, and I, and I hate saying Democrats. You and I both come from a state that was Democratic. It was uh, we grew up in the President Carter years. My relatives were Democrats. I know you you've got a, a father that was an incredible law enforcement, uh, served for law enforcement. So they were the working group. But this isn't the Democratic Party today. This is not uh, the, what we grew up and saw. And there's some people that are starting to wake up and see it. And I think that by the polls showing that President Trump has such a commanding lead after all this they're throwing at him, has such a commanding lead. It's pretty impressive, and, and hopefully it's uh, insightful that we're waking up a little bit. Yeah, it is, and I think that's just going to be the, 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 the way that look at it. And it's also disturbing, too, to remind my more liberal-leaning friends that, that this was your issue. <laughs> you know, criminal justice was your issue. You know, you know, fairness for for people, freedom of speech. These were the kind of things that were always, you know, not rightfully so, but always historically associated with the more liberal wings. You know, making sure that defendants get a trial, making sure that they get fairness in the system. And now it's almost like, well, that's okay if it's if it's folks we like, but if it's folks we don't like, then throw the throw it out the window. And I think that turning again, it goes back to a little bit of what we said earlier about this being a, a perception and reality, but also a divorcing reality from the from politics in many ways. Uh, you know, I see it and see it clearly uh White House cocaine is okay, but cocaine's illegal and uh I can you imagine it's a on president or former President Trump with cocaine and White House, that would have been story headlines for many, many, many weeks and months. And all of a sudden it was talked about and then brushed under so fast. Oh, it's, it's scary it's to me to find out who it was. That's scary to me because there's cameras yeah. on those all the time. I mean, you just, even if you had to start lining up everybody who came through that day, I mean, really, but again, that's just, that's a whole different issue. Now let's go ahead and talk about Congress. Um, just recently, uh, Jim Jordan, who serves in your former position, uh, the Judiciary uh, Committee, 
He chairs it. Uh, just tried to become Speaker of the House. I, I love Jim. Jim's a great guy, hardworking guy. I feel bad for him, what he's going through. But he's a victim of the divide that we see today and the chaos and the confusion from both far sides. But um, Speaker of the House, let's talk about that. What, okay. what is your thoughts on what just happened with the speaker, with Speaker McCarthy, the plan that happened? Uh, you know, it was a Florida congressman that did it. And a lot of people in Florida are very upset and do not support him and are calling people to run against him now. Yeah. Complete chaos. I mean, look, and and, is, and Matt Gates, so I know very well, Matt said he, he he's fine with chaos. But it's, it's the difference in having chaos and having a plan for chaos. OK. The the question I think it surprised everybody was, and including the eight that that went ahead with this, this is a little bit of the, the divorcing reality in, in in politics again. Remember, most all of those voted against an eight percent across the board cut, a strengthening of immigration on the border, and a forty five day or something like that CR. They voted against that to end up getting uh, basically just. A straight CR, okay, and because there was nothing else, frankly, that they could do, that McCarthy could do. I've I've been on interviews where people have been talking about, well, you know, McCarthy lied; they didn't get the bills on, to the floor on time. I just have to remind: the House has a the majority is the only one that can stop a bill in the in U.S. House, and that means the Republicans are the only ones that can stop themselves. And they brought three or four; they got two of the appropriations bills to the floor. And they couldn't get their own members to vote for them. Okay, you can blame this like blaming the coach for an interception by the quarterback, but at a certain point in time, there's a lot built up. Okay, maybe you didn't like Kevin McCarthy. I get it. But what was your plan after that? And I think this is the concern that most have. And then it just developed into what has been building, Joe, for – and this may be breaking for some. I've said this a little bit on interviews. I've not said it a lot. So let me just say this. This has been a 12- to 13-year buildup. Okay, this did not happen in the last six months. It didn't happen in January on 15 rounds of voting for McCarthy. The divisions in the conference have been building for 15 years, have shown themselves a little bit along the way. And so when you saw McCarthy put out, you saw Scalise couldn't get the votes. You saw Jordan couldn't get the votes, which none of that surprised me. It really led us to a position that people were finally taking out the anger that had been building up for 13 years about who was working, who was not working, who was perceived to be tearing stuff down, who was perceived to be building stuff. And that's why this came out. So uh, look, we put ourselves, Mike Johnson appears to be the new speaker. Mike's a dear friend from Louisiana. I like Mike a lot. He's been on my podcast a few times. Mike is solid, but Mike's got a huge learning curve, huge learning curve. And that's just on the political, that's just on the policy political side. And then you've got the side of raising money and being the champion for reelecting house members in the, in the new Congress. I mean, it's a thankless job. And, and look, you're going to get ready to have CR and, and shutdown talks here almost immediately. You've got farm bill, you've got all kinds of things that affect local farmers in Florida and, and businesses in Florida. And it's just going to be tough. And if people stick to a very rigid view of the world as as only my way or the highway, then we've still got a lot of bumpiness ahead and the House majority could be in in danger over it. Let me ask you this. Is there hope that we can get a speaker? I, I have had some people say they fear the Democrats are so united, they're voting so strongly that they fear that a Democrat could come open and first time in history 
could be the speaker with the majority because you've got these guys playing over and, and being chaotic. And they just, they, it's almost the attitude of I'll show you, I'll hurt us all and I'll destroy us all. I'll pull the nuclear bomb out. And you look at this and you go, all right, is there hope we're going to do it? And of course you and I both know the Democrats don't want us. They would love to carry this drama out through the election of next year in the chaos, because this is playing into their playbook. Yeah, I agree completely. And, um, you know, the, the chaos is the, number one, though, they'll not be a Democrat. The, the, the Republicans as dysfunctional as they are at this moment, still have enough uh, foresight and sense about them to not allow a uh, Hakeem Jeffries to be elected. Now, there was a lot of discussion about, you know, let's go and see if Republicans, you know, if Democrats may vote for a speaker uh, to pro Tim McHenry to have his uh, job expanded or whatever. Um, and, and most of that wouldn't happen. In fact, you know, part of the discussion was, and I said this several times, any member of the Republican Party that got Democrat support right now, or even if it even looked like they were going to get Democrat support, would immediately be undercut and wouldn't get elected. I think, but the Democrats are, you know, are enjoying it in the sense of, look, they can just point to chaos and say, hey, you know, we're the, we're the adults in the room. They can't, say, they can't even elect a speaker. I've heard that so many times over the past few weeks. You know, they can't even elect a speaker. How else are they going to do a CR? How are they going to do everything else? So, again, we've got to think about this in a long-term fashion as well. So government shutdown, how serious is that? And is that really, truly a possible factor that we need to worry about? It's always a possible factor, but I don't believe it's going to uh, happen. Uh, there will be a CR. I think everybody understands when you waste 40 day, uh, you, uh, 45 days, you waste half of it and you're not moved any bills. You've not moved anything else. And now you're going to have a speaker trying to get up to speed. Um, you know, having to hire staff, hire everything else. Everything's been shut down for, I mean, you're at best next week, hopefully. And I don't even think they're supposed to be in next week. They may be in, our, they may cancel that. But it's just, you're going to have to do a CR. And I know people don't like to hear that. And I'm in the military. I mean, from a military perspective, we don't like to see a CR because it, it hurts our military. But um, you're going to have to have something. It depends on how long it is. So I don't think the shutdown is necessarily a, 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 a given. Is it a possibility? Yes. But I think if Republicans don't come together and figure out that they need some more time to do this because they self-inflicted wound here uh, and then go into a shutdown, that will affect us uh, again, continuing to affect the, 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 the working of this majority. Israel. Let's talk about it for a little bit. Okay. The biggest disappointment that I've seen in this country in my lifetime is allowing groups to protest and attack against Israel. One of the countries that we have the basis of our religion, the basis of our structure, um, they're God's protected people. And for the first time, we're allowing people to protest, kids that don't even know what they're protesting, protesting to protect people that murdered babies, that attacked an innocent country that was just sitting there moving forward. What is going on in our country? It's a downfall in many ways. The, the bigger issue is not that we have freedom of speech. The issue is, is when we are using freedom of speech of our own to bash others who don't agree with us. And it's being accepted as normal. In other words, we've established a line that if you want to talk about these causes, that's OK. But if you want to talk about these causes, it's not OK. And this Hamas, look, the thugs in Hamas are just 
rapists and terrorists, they're, 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 they're nothing but common thieves, you know, common criminals. Okay. They're low lives. And the thugs that uh, are directing them from Iran are worse than that. And to do what they did, Israel has shown time after time that if there is peaceful working between the groups, that they're willing to extend freedoms, they're willing to extend travels. But when you have, when you as Palestinians elect a terror group to run your strip of, of two miles of two million people with you know less than 30 miles in it, basically, and all they want to do is throw is lob mortars at Israel, then you're not living in a reality world. And for, for people in America to use the freedoms of America to give them help is sad. Congressman Cummins, I want to thank you for joining us, and we're going to wrap up this show. I would love to have you come back and talk about some of the things you're doing uh, to protect our country. You've got a lot of stuff going on and and working real hard for the state, not just the state, but the country. But um, let me get from you real quick. What kind of prediction are you giving us for the Georgia-Florida game? Uh, A Georgia win, I think you're looking at a 34-14. I think you gave Florida too many points, you know, and I, <laughs> <I'm being fine. laughs> but thank you for joining us and go dogs. Go dogs.